This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Mavericks. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio by Evan Grant, and this is our Thanksgiving special. <laughs> what do you need, think? We need music and floats. What is it? What is what is Thanksgiving music though? Other than hymns. Involves the Radio City Rockets dancing. There's Benjamin doing our, that's our Thanksgiving music, according to Benjamin. Was he, what was he doing? I think it was, I think it sounds like, keep it coming. Uh, I I don't know, but I like it, Benjamin. (laughs) I think that was uh, cool in the gang, I'm not sure. Benjamin, give me a beat. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, that was good. Um. Yeah, so Thanksgiving special. We'll. Uh, I got the la- the microphone thing going. Again. You got the limp microphone. Uh, where do you want to start on Thanksgiving? Well, let's talk about. We want to talk about. Let's talk about the Mavs first. Okay. Because they're, they. I went to a Mavs game last week. Well, and uh, and I love this. This was a. This is what you texted to me. <laughs> so last week, I don't know about that Luca guy. What's his last name anyway? I don't. know I believe about what it. I said last week was I don't want to label him one of the NBA's all-time greats a month into his second season. No, you said you didn't think he was very good, and then you watched I him one time. You went to one game, and you went, wow, this guy's pretty good. Listen, if they let him play against the developmental league teams every week. Oh, now, let's not be ugly. No, Mike. Well, he's pretty we, good against the Rockets. Yes, no, he's, he's been outstanding. There's no doubt. But, and, yeah. but went to the Warriors game last week, and clearly that's not an NBA-caliber team right now. Draymond didn't even suit up that night. No, he didn't. Uh, they had nine he, guys, I think he refused to. They had nine guys <laughs> dressed. Um, but uh, there were two things, I, I think, seeing Luca up close that, that you had said that really stuck with me. One was the level of effort. Yeah. Um, the effort uh, on both ends of the court he just at all stops. times is is outstanding. Yeah, uh, I do worry that at some point in time that could lead to some some type of injury. Uh, but but you have to you you don't you don't ask a guy. It's like with Josh Hamilton. You didn't say yeah tone it down. Yeah. You you ask that guy to you let that guy play. Um, and the other thing I think you mentioned was was the court awareness at all times. Yeah. Um, and it just is he he's looking he is looking to create opportunities for guys just as much, if not more, as, as he is willing to take the shot, I feel like. Yeah, he's uh, – listen, from the first time I saw him play, and I didn't see – you know, I just saw clips of him from Europe, you know, so what can you tell with all that stuff? But when I first saw him play here, first time you watch him play, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is fun. This is a guy that I, – I love Jason Kidd. 
Uh, I, I thought Jason Kidd was so smart, even at the end of his career when clearly he can't, he can't run, he can't move, he can't do anything anymore, but he was just so smart. It's so fun to watch guys like that play uh, who, are, who are anticipating things, seeing things, making things happen. Uh, you, you know, there are not very many guys like that in the league. There are plenty of guys who can score, plenty of guys who can play defense, whatever you want them to do. But not a lot of guys who have the kind of vision and imagination and creativity to do the kind of things that he's trying to do on the no, floor. No. And so for a guy, uh, this is special. This is a guy who's 20 years old, and he's already playing this way. And, the, and he's the Mavericks player. I mean, I, I think fans – and I think fans get it. It's like they understand. If this guy continues on this track, if he continues to if – if he stays healthy – um, and, uh, and nothing bad because he's a great kid, you know, and, and he wants to win. And you talk to him after any game, if he gets a triple-double, yes, you can tell he's happy about doing that during the game. But afterwards, he's got his head down. They lose. He's got his head down. I, if he makes a mistake when he took that, that step back that was standing on the logo, uh, I, I can't remember which game that was, if that was the next game or not. I don't think it was the next game. It, it, was, it wasn't a good shot, and he knew it. And, and he was upset with himself about it. And he's taking the blame for it. Clearly, what matters to him most is winning. This is, it is, those are all the characteristics of a Magic Johnson, of an Oscar Robertson, of a Larry Bird, of, of the greatest players ever. This, this kid has got the entire package. Uh, and, I mean, he can get better. He can he shoot free throws better. And he has done that this year. He can, he can shoot threes better. And he's starting to do that better this year as well. Uh, and I don't see any reason why he won't do those things because he wants to be great. Uh, when a guy, you, you know, and I think I said this before, when Chuck Cooperstein and I were talking one day early in the season, and he said, uh, I think he might be better than Dirk was at this age. And I thought, and I said, well, there's no question he's better than Dirk was at this age. Dirk was, remember what Nelly said about Dirk? Well, he's not much of a rebounder. You know, and then when Dirk made himself into a rebounder, then Nelly was really surprised by that. But uh, but it's also two different personalities. Dirk's very – one of the reasons Dirk is such a great guy because he's got zero ego, you know, zero. Uh, and – but as a player, when, when Dirk, it's hard to – you know, that, that then you're not asserting yourself like you could. When Dirk got here, mm -hmm. um, he was also able to kind of go into a, a um, secondary role behind Nash and Finley. Kind of, yeah. I mean, he was. Uh, and kind of was able to ease into being the dominant guy. Yeah. Luca has had to be the focus of this team's offense from the time he got here. True, but he's just a different personality. This, this, now, as I said before, you know, he wants to win. Now, he's got an ego. Uh, he's got a much bigger ego right. than Dirk. Uh, you know, he, he knows he's a great player and he, and he enjoys it. You know, he, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, he's still taking a little abuse, not, not as much as he used to. Because now, by now, everybody gets it. Everybody looks at him now. You got LeBron saying, "Hey, I told y'all." You know what does that say to me when 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 uh, when LeBron's saying that? Why is why is LeBron having to tell people that this kid's really good? I mean, it, you know, if it was anybody else, I think because he, he's a Euro and uh, people didn't know him real well, and so there's a little bit of a tendency <laughs> to go, "Yeah, let's wait and see the, how good this guy." The is. The only th and and. Uh, I'm I'm at a loss for words here because I, I I hear exactly where you're coming from and and to watch him play right now is a wonder, but I also understand the sentiment of 
let's not elevate him into oh, yeah, yeah. all time great status. You know, well, you got to win. Correct. You know, um, but that's also not his fault. You don't give him enough players. I mean, that was the, the, the issue. But I, I just don't know that. La- like last year, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't recall. No, there wasn't enough there much enough criticism. Players. Well, there just weren't enough players last year. Right? No, no, I'm just saying I don't believe there's ever been any criticism of him. He was far and away the the most outstanding rookie in the league last year. He, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think from really the second week of the season, despite how well Trey Young ended up playing, the the thought was that the Mavericks absolutely uh, ravaged the Hawks in that deal. Oh, um, no, I don't know. I think there, there's they, been no criticism. Now, at the end of the year, there was a lot of people saying, oh, maybe Trey Young's really the, you know, because, you know, Trey Young's a nice player. He, he is uh, a nice player. He's, he's, a good, he's a good shooter. He's not as complete a player as this oh, guy. Oh, no. That, and that's part of the deal. Like, you know, when I was talking to some people about this, the thing that makes uh, Luca so different is that there's really not a, the only comp I can think of, and I didn't really see him play that much. I'm uh, just a kid. Was Oscar Robertson? You know, Oscar. Uh, it's not just the triple doubles. Oscar was a big body. You know, very thick, uh, very strong, very powerful point guard. Back in an era when point guards were guys like Bob Cousy. You know, little mm-hmm. bitty guys. You know, mm-hmm. and so that's why he was getting triple doubles is because he was just overpowering people and he was just big and strong and, and tough. Uh, Luca's a lot like that. You know, you know, even Magic who was 6'8 as a point guard, which is awfully big, not a big bulky guy. You know, back then, uh, Magic was was kind of on the thin side, especially early in his career. Uh, you know, he got to be bigger later. but but And he was a physical player for a point guard as well. He could play yeah. in position on the floor, and, th- and that's what the, and that's how the Lakers I, used I, him. I, I'd say body-wise, they're a little bit similar. Um, He's a little bit more like... Luke, uh, is, Luke is very physical and very big up top. Well, and I, see, that's the thing that makes like I'm watching the the uh, uh, replays from the Houston game, and he uh, uh, he's going to the basket, and people are grabbing at his arm and yanking on it, and he's still getting the, the right. he's shot very, up. He's very strong, isn't that? And that's the thing. See, you you know how that is in the NBA, especially they're going to make you pay for this stuff, right? You know, and and you can't make him pay for it. I mean, he's just so strong, he he gets his shot off anyway. So anyway, all right, we got to move on to the rest of our smorgasbord. Uh, the uh, so so here's the thing. Our, our final take on on Luca, uh, he's good. He's good, and, and he and he's carrying this team now. He's he's allowing yeah, Chris Stapps Porzingis I, I, to get to a a, a position where he's going to be. I, uh, I, I go back to what you what we talked about last week and what you said. And again, I I'm not sucking up to you, but um, you you've been on the money here. There's not a there's not a guy that I think is. Um, capable of being the secondary figure here to give this team a, a deep playoff run. Well, I will say this. Tim Hardaway has done – now, he had 31 against the Rockets. Uh, they, he started three games now. Um, he's a gunner, uh, no conscience, uh, and, which is kind of what you want in a, in a shooter. Um, he's played really well recently. Let's see what he does. Uh, if he could – now, he's – he doesn't need to score thirty-one points. Correct. You know, if he gets in, if he gives them seventeen, eighteen points a game, that's all they need. If if Porzingis is going to score twenty, and and if Luke is going to score thirty, you know, then then that's enough. But you got to have three guys you can count on. This whole idea that the third guy was just going to be a ro- you know, the third wheel was going to be a rotating thing from night to night. You just can't count on that. You got to count on what you're going to get. You you know, when, when your bench comes, 
you know, it's going to be one guy or another guy. That's fine, but you can't count on that bench supplying the third big point differential every night. Somebody on that bench doing that. It just it's too much to ask of the guys on the bench. They don't know their roles that well. People got roles and they got to serve them. And so I think that Rick was was hesitant to put Hardaway in that role. He felt like he was really better served as a sixth man. But he's playing really good defense. He's he's playing the he's probably playing as well as he's played in his career over a very short span. He's just always been a shooter. Uh, now he's kind of being more of a complete player. If he can do that, then you know then the possibilities go way up. Okay. All right, moving on. Let's go to colleges. Let's talk about uh, what's going to happen here. Uh, as, as Chuck Carlton laid out for us the other day, he talked about the the CFP. The, the Big 12's chances have perked up a little bit. Oregon lost. Uh, that was a huge loss for the Pac-12 for, for Oregon to lose because the committee likes Oregon, or it didn't like Oregon. Now with two losses, they're out. They're, they they're going to drop down into the teens probably. Uh, and so now the question was, would the committee like a second SEC team? Uh, would it like Alabama even without Tua? Uh, because obviously LSU is going to, you know, LSU, Clemson, Ohio State. We th- we think those three are pretty well locked up. Um, or were they going? Then if they weren't going to take a second SEC team, it was going to come down to the Pac-12 versus the Big 12. And the feeling was that the Pac-12 was going to win because Oregon was ranked higher. Well, now they're not. Utah is still there, but does Utah really drive? I mean, Utah's non-conference schedule is terrible. Uh, and and so they they played a really weak schedule, uh, and and Utah's one loss was to USC, I believe, not a great team. Uh, so I I really feel like now that Oklahoma, uh, if Baylor and Oklahoma end up playing each other, which I guess is that's mathematically almost guaranteed, I guess mm-hmm. now. If Baylor and Oklahoma are playing each other in the Big 12 championship game, if they were both a one-loss teams at that point, mm-hmm. that really helps the Big 12's argument. Well, here's here's the deal. So you'll have if, – if, if both those teams win out, if Utah and Oklahoma both win out, you're going to have Utah with a championship win over Oregon, right? Correct. And you're going to have Oklahoma with a championship win over Baylor. Yeah. Um, we don't have, since we're recording this on Tuesday morning, we don't have this week's CFP rankings. No. Uh, but what we do have are the AP poll and the coaches poll. And in both those polls, Baylor is ranked higher than Oregon. That's correct. So you would have a bigger win. Uh, for the Big 12. For the Big 12. Um, the wild card here, again, becomes the SEC championship game. Does Georgia have a chance against LSU? Um, as Georgia's chief advocate in this conversation, uh, I would say this. I have zero doubt right now that Georgia's defense is the best in the, in the nation. Wow. Um, best in the nation. They, uh, uh, they've allowed, in the last five SEC games, they've allowed a total of six points over the first three quarters. Wow. Uh, and those games include Florida, Auburn, and A&M. Um, the offense is too inconsistent. Jake Fromm has not had a good year. They no. haven't had receivers. I don't think they can hang enough points on LSU to stay with them. So if Georgia loses, then you do get to that situation. How many, take, how many losses would Georgia have? Georgia would have two at that point. Two. Okay. Um, I, 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 I think, you know, if Georgia, if, if Georgia and LSU both go into the SEC championship game undefeated, I don't think we're having this conversation. Yeah. I think they're both going to the, to the, to the playoff. 
uh, but Georgia has that loss, that overtime loss to South Carolina. So yeah. that that puts them in a position where they've got to win. Um, I, I do think it comes down to uh, to a Pac-12 team versus a Big 12 team. And I, right now, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to be able to make an argument for Utah over Oklahoma other than other than right now um Utah is 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 higher in in the poll in the CFP than Oklahoma. But we see how that but stuff that bounces can change around. over the next two weeks. Yeah, ask TCU about that. Correct. Uh so uh But I I I I will say this, Kevin. I you know I believe and, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people around the country who would say, well, there's a giant SEC bias amongst the CFP mm-hmm. panel. Right. Uh, I, I would say that I've also, in, in my life, feel like there's been a giant bias for both Big Ten and Pac-10 teams, or Pac-12 teams. So we will see how that plays out at the end well, of Not so much for the Pac-12. The pa- not so lately. The Big Ten. No, not not, not lately. Uh, well, 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 mostly because the Pac-12 has been so god-awful bad. Yeah. But, well, absolutely, and I, and I, here's what I think, and, and I don't have a big problem with this. The coaches on the panel, first of all, I think drive the conversation in that room. I, they have to. Uh, you know, they, that's just the way coaches are. Coaches want to see talent. They want to see, uh, you know, that was the thing that impressed me in, in watching that Baylor-Oklahoma game, um, and I hadn't seen Baylor up close very much this year. Uh, and they got a really good defensive line. They've got a couple of guys there, uh, you know, who are going to play in the NFL. And uh, it, and that's different for Bader a little bit. You know, they, they've always had some offensive guys, but not as many defensive guys, at least not up front. And, man, that's really hard to have. And when you've got that kind of talent, then you're, then you're pretty good. And that's what makes me think this Bader team, uh, you know, it, it – Here's the, it's gonna be really. Baylor's not gonna make the CFP. I don't think. I don't think so. I think they, they got too. It's too high to climb. You know, you're you're still out of the top ten at this point. You, you're, I don't. I don't. It would be an amazing story if they were to end. If they ended up jumping the Pac-12 champion, if it's Utah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's gonna be hard. Uh, but you know, you can, listen. If they if they just go uh, to the wall here and 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 blow out Oklahoma in the Big Twelve title game. Then, then you know, more power to them, and maybe they they can do that. Uh, but that, anyway, the point is, is that that's where the coaches go. The coaches go with with the, the ta- they're looking at what kind of what kind of offensive and defensive lines do you have? Uh, what kind of speed do you have? What kind of size do you have? Can you know when you get in a game, you're going to beat it. And and you'll really, I don't have a problem with that argument because because people don't play each other in college football. And so you 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 how else are you going to judge these guys other than if I've got a guy here who is 62 and 240 and he runs a 4440, he's going to beat your 511 guy who 180 pounds guy who runs a 46. You know, that's just what's going to happen. I mean, you that's the thing and for Baylor also for Baylor Denzel Mims. He's a big time talent at wide receiver. He's a very physical, tough wide receiver. Uh I think he's as good as any of the guys they've had. I think he'll be an NFL player. So uh, they've got talent, uh, and they and uh, Matt Rule has done a good job assembling some talent in the short amount of time he's been there. Unlike uh, what's happening at Texas, 
Well, let me just say, let me say this. Uh, you know, if you've got a one-loss Utah team versus Baylor, yeah, um, I think I, I think you're going to end up going to Utah. But the teams between Utah and Baylor right now in the last CFP are Penn State, which is going to fall this week, right? Clearly. Uh, Oklahoma, which Baylor will play head to head, right? Minnesota, which would probably lose the Big Ten title yep, game, right? Uh, Florida, which will have two losses, yeah, um, and and Baylor, I think, would jump them with the extra data point, right? Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin, which will get bypassed with the extra data point, yeah. Michigan, which is likely to have a third loss this week, so it would be interesting to see if Baylor and Utah are both one-loss teams, um, and Baylor's coming off the win over the one team that beat them, right? a la Georgia, which when it was the SEC champion, right? Yeah. And it avenged uh, the loss to Auburn early in the year, or late in November. Um, that would be real interesting. It would the, be. I, I'm interested to see what, like, what, the, what the committee would do with that. I think if the I, com- I, Baylor's non-conference schedule is just so god Awful. It is terrible, and and that's the. But so is Utah's. Utah's conference non-conference. Utah, Utah's terrible. best non-conference win is BYU. Okay, mm-hmm. BYU runs circles. I'm afraid around Stephen F, UTSA, and Rice. Yeah, well, I I I don't disagree, and that was one of the reasons why I wasn't taking Baylor seriously. But after watching that Oklahoma game, had they not just run out of gas in the second half, had that, for whatever reasons, Charlie Brewer stopped running with the football, runs with it 14 times in the Oklahoma's first half. Oklahoma's not going to make those, the same number of turnovers in that championship game. I don't know. Jalen's making a lot of turnovers. Running uh, down the field the other day and against TCU, and a guy runs up and just takes the ball away from him. Uh, you know. Um, I don't see it. You know what would, I don't be, know. what would be really interesting? I, I, what would be a really interesting situation, I don't foresee this happening in any way, shape, or form, but – if, if Virginia Tech were to beat Virginia this week and play Clemson in the ACC championship game, yeah, Virginia Tech is Virginia Tech's lone loss since uh, early in the season was a one point loss at Notre Dame. Yeah, they're not playing bad football. No, right they're now. playing well. And if they were to beat Clemson, it would be a lot easier to just say, well, let's take the ACC out of this whole mix this year. Well, I think it's, that's the, the issue for me is that well, what's Clemson's schedule? Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's well, not. Well, Clemson's, you know, Clemson's got the. Um, I mean, they beat A&M. They beat A&M. Uh, they beat. Uh, but their conference schedule is by far the weakest of all the. Other yes, teams, correct, and that's 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 the thing. It's not so much their the non-conference. Their non-conference schedule, but if if they go undefeated, they will have wins over two SEC teams, A and M and South Carolina, um, and then uh, Charlotte. Yeah. yeah, so that's my point. Is that but that but the committee looks at them and goes and sees all the NFL talent. Yep, you know, so that's what that's what they make. And they're defending champions, and they're defending champs. So. They, they get the grace of that. All right, baseball, baseball. How about that baseball? How about so you wanted to hand it out uh, a turkey of the year, right? Well, we will. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's let's. I think that's part of my deal, though. Well, let's get to some baseball okay. for a second. All right, baseball. Go ahead. So, um, last week I wanted you to come out to Arlington with me. I know you did. Yeah. Um, and you didn't. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I asked Rob Manfred on Tuesday when I did not think he would make any comments. Um, last Tuesday before the owners' meetings. Uh, I, I was able to sneak in a question in, in about a five-minute uh, 
span with with other guys. Um, because my question was, could MLB, if the Astros are found to have cheated mm-hmm. um, using this technology, using technology, could he? go beyond what he had warned teams in terms of punishment. And right. previously what had been warned or, or what he had publicly warned teams about was the loss of draft picks, the loss of international cap space and fines. That's all well and good. Yeah. Um, and that hurts a team. It, it potentially hurts a team somewhere down the road. Sure. No immediate impact. No. None. Um, <clears throat> and certainly uh, not enough to keep you from de- – you know, that's not a much of a deterrent. Not a terrible deterrent. Uh, it's it's certainly worth the risk, right? Yeah. Um, but Manfred said at that point, he said, uh, I'm not going to speculate about what, what the penalties would be, but let me just say that um, my powers under the the Constitution are broader than the penalties that, that have been out, that I've outlined. The U.S. Constitution? The, uh, his Constitution. Oh. Uh, he's got a strong Constitution, <laughs> apparently. Uh, the MLB Constitution. Um and then on Thursday, uh, he didn't back off of that after the meetings. And, and in speaking with some some people that I saw at the meetings, I think there was a growing sense among ownership and executives that uh, uh, there will be some type of suspension handed down in the event that, that all of this is is um, confirmed. And the thing here is, with the video evidence that, that has uh, come to light, the, the scenes of the Astros dugout, with a, a computer screen, with this ta- trash can right next to it, the video of the trash can noises, the, the whistling. Um, if all of that comes to light, he did not rule out the possibility of, of, of stronger action. And now all of a sudden with the Astros, if you get to a point where you start to, if, if you suspend Jeff Luna mm-hmm. or if you suspend A.J. Hinch or if you suspend both of them, this is a current, a, a suddenly rudderless organization. It has no assistant general manager. Well, it depends on how long you're talking about suspending them. Uh, well, I would, I, I, yes, exactly. And I, I would, I would think that the Astros need to be uh, expeditious in getting their off-season business done and getting their affairs in order because I do think the hammer is going to come, and if it comes before uh, the Astros have completed all their business. Uh, they're going to be left in a really rudderless situation uh, where basically the owner's making decisions because they have no baseball, they have no baseball personnel in place to do any of that. Because Brandon Tobman has already been bounced. has already been fired, and I suspect that you know Manfred also said interestingly enough when he was asked if uh, when the Tobman discipline would come down for Brandon Tobman and or the Astros, he indicated that he would hand down the punishment uh, at the time that the MLB investigation into the Astros cheating uh, comes to a conclusion, which to me basically said, I'm going to tie all this punishment together into one nice bow. Two things. First of all, don't you think that the the rest of MLB is ready to levy any kind of penalty against the Astros that, that it can because everybody hates the Astros? And two, yes, I think it, I think owners and, 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 and rival executives, I'm sure, are lobbying for the yes. extreme penalty. Yes. And then two, what's going to keep Jeff Luna from calling up whoever is, you know, 
you know, running things. Say, hey, this is what I want you to do. Well, I mean that, and that's MLB can't monitor that. MLB can't monitor that, but I think they will do everything they can to try and make that deterrent work. And I, I think the risk you you take there, if you're Jeff Luno, and who the Astros, let's let's face facts, the Astros haven't exactly been great right now at, at covering their tracks. No. Um, if you're caught in that, then you're running the risk of a lifetime ban. Yeah, this is the thing that goes back to me to what we talked about earlier. And, and I've, I just want to say this, too. Go b- ahead. Before you, you, you finish. I've asked some people, which was worse? If this Astro stuff is true, the what John Coppolella of the Braves did in Latin America mm-hmm. or this impacting the product on the field at the moment? Uh, well, it's about the integrity of the game to me. And, and so the, the needle points towards Luno. So could could he get a ban? I don't think so, but you can't take that off the table either. Uh, he, because he was warned before, that's why. He, a first offense wouldn't get you in this kind of trouble. He was warned before not to, to do any of this kind of thing. Um, to me, this goes back to the, the same issue I was talking about earlier about umpiring and officials in general, is that because – we are able to see things now that we've that we've never seen before. You can't use the argument, oh, because Eddie Robinson, as we talked about, talked about when he was in Cleveland, that they had a guy in the outfield and he would wear a white shirt and he would stand up when he saw something or sit down or whatever he was doing out there, something. You know, this is in the 40s when this was going on, right? right? So these kind of things have gone on for a long time. And listen, that's that, that technically is is against the rules. But let me let me just paint a picture for you. Here, yeah. Okay. Um, team can a, a pair of binoculars. Anybody can can buy right. pair of binoculars. A, a, a ticket in the outfield. Anybody can buy. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Both teams have the ability to cheat on that same level in a game. Right. Anytime they want. When you install a camera. Yeah, but that's different. And, and 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 this is what I'm talking run about. The wire. This is what I'm talking about. There's, you have technology now, and I think that fans. I, I don't want to. I don't want to denigrate fans, uh, but most fans, I think, would tell you people are stealing signs out there in the outfield. I mean, it's one thing for a guy standing at second base to be looking in and and you know and seeing the sign and relaying it to his team. And I got no problem with that. You're standing on the field. You see something to help your team win. Of course, you can do that. Uh, but if you are, yeah, when you're using technology uh, to advance something during a game uh, and you're giving yourself an advantage that the other team doesn't have, that goes back to the questions of the integrity of the game. Uh, that fans are going to look at this like, that's that's cheating. You can't do that. You know, they're going to look at that as really as really cheating. And and uh, and, 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 and you and I both know in baseball, it's all they'll talk about gamesmanship, right? You know, you're scuffing the ball. That's just gamesmanship, right? This is not cheating, you know. Uh, well, yeah, it's it's cheating. If you're not supposed to do that, you're not supposed to do it. But that's a different level than than using things in the game, as you pointed out, uh, where you have an advantage in a game, a, a severe advantage in a, in a home game, as opposed to what the other team is able to do. Um, so I think that leads us to the whole thing to me now about our turkeys of the year. Okay. And my turkey of the year is Jeff Luno, uh, who was able to take a team that is one of the top two franchises in baseball at the moment uh, with their talent level, with their performance on the field, 
certainly a fun team to watch. Uh, you know, they, they've been able to do things. Certainly what they've done with pitchers, unbelievable how they've taken guys who were pretty good pitchers and made them really good, taken really good pitchers and made them really great. Uh, it, just phenomenal, everything they've been able to do. And somehow they have flushed all that uh, with their actions, starting with, I think we have to start questioning now, uh, some of the decisions we saw a story the other day about the, so a couple of the scouts who were let go. Maybe they would have been let go anyway, but both of them apparently told, I guess John Heyman, that uh, they were asked to set up cameras in the outfield to, to do this very thing, and both of them said, "No, I'm not doing that." Right. And then the next, and then a year later, they were both released. Now maybe they would have been released anyway, but we all wondered why those things happened, right? Uh, on the way in 2017, on the way to the World Series, uh, the, the Astros decided, "Hey, all you guys, and it was a bunch of guys, right? Uh, you're out." This was Eight in, guys, I believe, in, in August. Yep. You know, you're on your way to the World Series. You're out. We couldn't wait till after the season to do this. So I'm wondering how much of that was a vindictiveness about that. I think there's been a dramatic misunderstanding of how to deal with people yeah um and, and i think this is um i don't want to get into the scouts versus um uh financial guys argument that seems to you know be at the at the center of baseball right now but i do think you know you bring in types from wall street and there are no rules in wall street no um and and, and so their rules and 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 the idea of sportsmanship uh yeah, that's all. You know, it's not just cutting corners; it's like lopping off the whole page, right? Uh, and, and so, yeah, I mean, and I think in a lot of ways, the Astros are in the position where they have potentially, as our old friend Jerry Freely used to say, um, wrecked a one-car parade. Yeah, um, uh, they have put themselves in, in a horrible position. Not to mention the fact that, uh, by and large, I think everybody thought they should have run away with the World Series this year, and they did not win the yeah. World Series. Uh, and, it would have been worse if they had one, though, right? We well, there would be a lot more questions right now. That's yeah. for sure. Well, yeah. you, you can't have your World Series champs being investigated. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. Um, and that's a that that's a good pick um, for for a sports turkey of the year, and would probably be my runner up. Um, but to this point, Luno's career has not he has not completely wrecked his career. It may end up running right into the tree before the end of this year is out. But I will choose Antonio Brown. Oh, Antonio. I, I know that it's a little bit out of mind, out of sight, but I don't think we've seen a meltdown quite like Antonio Brown. Um, yeah, he goes from being one of the greatest wide receivers in the history of the game, probably. Conducted to unemployed. and yeah. Uh, and not only that, he got a second chance with the best team in football, and that lasted a week. Yeah. A week! I'm not sure, you know, in that whole situation in, in Oakland either. I don't know if he just – I don't know if he just flipped – I was beginning to wonder, now are we seeing some C CTE problems here? Which You're is, not the only one. There, there are people who, who wondered that uh, uh, as well, and, and you hope that's certainly not oh, the case. Oh, my gosh. But – but then you wonder, is he doing this on purpose to get himself extracted from this situation because he doesn't like it? You know, if that's the case, ugh, you know, that's that's bad. Uh, and then he, 
But then he goes to New England, and now he, he made a lot of apologies to the people with the Patriots afterwards. He didn't. He never apologized to anybody in Oakland uh, for all that mess. Yeah, he went to New England and apologized because he. Gee, I, I know you don't have any receivers. I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, think think what think what they, that could he could have meant to that that absolutely. Uh, of course, it's not like they're hurting any, right? No, they're not. Record? Well, they are. They could use a receiver. They, they could, really but their record's still pretty good. Um. All right. So I will be coming over to your house later on today to pick up my pie, which you guys generously give us every year. A pie. Um. um and I'm very excited Gu- about. Guess that. Guess what? Our old friend Barry Horn told me about that. What? Can't you just deliver that pie to me? I I figured as much. Yes. Yeah. Um, but here, here's my final question for you, Kevin. Uh, w- w- you have is w- you have any uh, hot Thanksgiving food opinions? Uh, you mean about what you can and can't do? Just in general about Thanksgiving. Here's, food. here's the thing about Thanksgiving for me. I'm not that big a turkey fan. It's okay, right? I don't mind. I much prefer smoked turkey. We will have smoked and and baked both. I'm a bit much bigger fan of the uh, of the smoked. That's that's my big and of the pies in the, that question is there really a question whether it's a pecan pie or an apple or a pumpkin is there really a question there? well for me it's always apple oh my gosh pecan is the king of pies as a as a barbecue fan no. what do they serve do they serve apple pie at barbecue places they serve bu- banana pudding well, they do too that's true yeah. but if they have pie they have pecan pie yeah well I like because they want to you may maximize the wood. There's no wood in the pie. No, you, you're going to the pecan tree to get some of the wood for your smoker, so you pick some nuts at the same time. It's very, it's. I want to tell you what I picked a nut in this podcast. Let me just say this. Here, here's here's my standing. I, I'm going to say this. There is there is no more polarizing dish on the plate than stuffing. Yeah. I, because or dressing. Stuffing, dress, and, and, and I don't know what the difference is for people, but it can be either sublime. I've unplugged the panic button. Or awful. There's like no in between on that. Uh, yeah, I, you know, my brother-in-law, uh, Debbie's Debbie's brother, is a big stuffing guy, dressing guy. He makes his own kind, and it's like it takes four years to make it. I think it's got oysters in it. I I don't know all's in it. It's just a lot of stuff. And it's like, I like it, you know, but I like all of them about the same. I've never had one dressing or stuffing, whatever we want to call it, that I thought was just, oh, my gosh, so much better than this next one. If it was so good, why wouldn't we have it other times of the year? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, I think some people do that. Some people do. See, I couldn't hit the the panic button just then because I've unplugged it. Well, that's okay. We're Uh, we're, we're at the end of our podcast, Kevin. uh, All right. So what is your favorite food at Thanksgiving then? Um, well, when, uh, it, it used to be in, um, in, in the days when, uh, in days of old, when we celebrated with the Nichols family, um, when, uh, when, um, my dear friend Joe Nichols, um, used to make uh Thanksgiving dinner, it was the twice baked potato. Really? Yes. She made a great twice baked potato. We don't have twice baked potatoes. In our well, time. we don't have them now anymore because she's, she's gone. She's gone on. Yeah. Um, well, but I, 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 my cousins, who we will be celebrating with, are these cousins the clowns? No, these are Gina's cousins. Oh. Um, one one is a pilot. Um, uh, but w- his wife makes um, she makes the green bean casserole. Yeah, fresh. Yeah, that's good. 
and it is ridiculously good. So That's a good thing. I'm planning to stake a claim in front of the green bean casserole uh, and box people out. Wow. Get away. Uh, you know, I, I like all the, the – I load up more on the vegetables and all that stuff than I do the actual turkey because um, it's all so good. But, you know – I'm I'm a uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a sweet potato yams guy. Yeah, I I only like the sweet potato fries. So on all that stuff, I'm out. You're out on yeah, that. Yeah, I don't like you mushy don't like sweet potatoes. No. And you don't like the marshmallows on top of them. Oh no 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 no. Oh wow. Question: What about sweet potato pie? Sweet potato. You know I don't, I've never had sweet potato pie, Benjamin. Is that I, is that your favorite? Yes. Wow. On the southern pies, I I go more towards the buttermilk pie. Well, that's a good one. That's a good pie. That's a good one. So sweet potato pie is that is that essentially like yams with uh, in a crust for the most part? Yeah, that's what I would guess. That would be good. I would like that. I love sweet potatoes. Oh yeah. All right, I'm having that. I'm coming over to Benjamin's on Thanksgiving. I'll see you then. See you, Benjamin. Uh, I got to get out of here. I have to go to the dermatologist. Oh my gosh, that was too much information for everybody. Have you got enough glasses, by the way? I got to put on my distance glasses. <laughs> How about just getting some real glasses and wearing them? Oh, just leave me alone. Kevin, I want you to have a happy Thanksgiving, but I'll see you later today so I can tell you that in person. Evan, a happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. I hope everybody has a great one. Uh, I, I know that the history of Thanksgiving is being kind of uh, uh, damaged a little bit by, by stories about the actual beginnings of it. which the were, actual facts. <laughs> which the actual facts are a little bit troublesome about the first thanksgivings but i know what the history is now our history mine and your history is <laughs> evan just blew up he just fell out of his chair holy cow well to quote larry munson the great voice of the georgia bulldogs i just fell out of my chair a metal steel chair with about a four inch cushion on it and I oh, think that's a good way to end the podcast. It is a good one. So from everybody in here to everybody out there, have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we love you. Thanks for coming in, and uh, have a great one. Bye. Thanks for listening to this Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.